The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Welcome to Sharp Lessons, everybody. We are Stadium Sports Betting Podcast. Give us a follow on Twitter at Stadium Bets. We'll give out all of our best bets, all of our picks, all the videos from the podcast. You can find them all on Stadium Bets on Twitter. He's Nate Jacobson, the professor. I'm Ben Wittenstein, the not professor, I guess, in this situation. The square better in this situation for the podcast. Nate, how you doing? Pretty good, but not as good as the guy who uh, had a 16-team money line parlay in week two and hit the first 15 legs. Uh, yeah, needed the Lions to win, but then ended up getting a cash out, as we uh, found out this morning. Yeah, you hate to be in a position where you need the Lions to win. That's a, that's a tough position to be in. Yeah, so just to like give some backstory, someone had a $25 free bet at BetMGM. They used it on a 16-team money line parlay. They hit the first 15 sides. They were all week two NFL. But the last leg of the parlay was the Lions at plus 400, which would have boosted up the parlay to over uh, $726,000. So quite the payout. He obviously, in that situation, it's tough because you can't really hedge because you'd have to lay a big price on the Packers' money line, and you'd have to put up a lot of money. Not sure how many people just have that kind of money sitting around being able to deposit to a sports book. And also sports books have limits on sides. So it wasn't like he could just have all of a sudden like $300,000, put it on the Packers, and try to win like fifty grand. So it was kind of a confusing situation. It ended up being a happy ending for the better who they announced today, BetMGM did, that he was allowed to cash out, I assume, before the game. And he was able to get $133,000 for hitting the first 15 legs. So originally it was a free bet, which means he wasn't able to have the cash out option. The sports book, that's like one of the rules when it comes to free bets, not a lot of cash out, at least for most of them and their terms and conditions. So always read the fine print. But he was able to get a cash out. Mostly because BetMGM sees this as a good marketing move. Now they know that people will see this story, and they're going to go out of week three and create their own 16-teamers that are definitely going to lose. So they end up might getting like a net positive from this, from all the parlays they're going to accumulate over the next few weeks, because people think that they can be this guy and going to parlay five teams, eight teams, ten teams, maybe even the whole board, maybe even mix in some college chalk in there and uh, try to try to get a big life-changing payday. Yeah, don't don't do 16 team parlays. Do it once, see how it goes, and it's not going to go well. And then don't put money on that again because that is I, yeah. a huge way to lose money. I will say, and you know, I try to take the more sharper angle on things, Ben. You take more of like the what the public thinks in this podcast. I will say it was good on him using his free bet on something fun, like a parlay. Yes. Maybe like if he had a free bet and there was a golf tournament, maybe use that on like a 30 to one golfer. Like if you have the money for that for free, you might as well try to turn it into something big. 
I just don't think you should be ever be parlaying that many teams, so we don't recommend <laughs> that. I also think with parlays, you want to make all the parlays like or the all the legs of the parlay in like the same either day or like time window. So if he just left that off, I know he concluded the Thursday night game, but if he just left off the Lions, he would have won the parlay. And then if he still liked the Lions money line, he could have bet a portion of that winnings on the Lions money line to kind of roll over that parlay, but still lock in a profit. So when you have a situation like that, don't make like the parlay like on a different day, the last leg. But if you do, make sure that last leg is a favorite. Because if he parlays the Packers money line, maybe he only wins like $250,000 if the Packers win. But then his hedge becomes a lot easier because he could take the Lions plus 12, maybe create a middle and then win two bets. So he could have kind of hedged his bet. But at the same time, if the Lions end up covering and he took the Packers, he could have had a really big payday and he would have looked a lot smarter than he did, um, you know, laying the playing the uh, plus 400 at the Lions, especially an underdog where, like, everyone's going to be betting on the Packers in that situation and including them in parlays. Like, the Lions at plus 400 was a bad bet. Like, the Lions were probably, I think they closed, like, plus 450 on the money line. So, if I, basically, that's the, the lessons, I guess, from this. Uh, <laughs> there's some good about it because he used it as a free bet. But uh, the way he went about it, I honestly just don't think he put too much thought into it. Because no. you're parlaying 16 teams at all 16 games, it, the odds of going 16 and 0 are so so slim that he just kind of maybe just was just clicking the screen and hope hope was hoping to uh, strike gold, which he ended up doing because of some good good uh, good fortune, I guess, and uh, goodwill by uh, the people at BetMGM. All right, so let's look at some of the updated line moves because we have some quarterback injuries going on, Nate. Um, we have a moving line with the Miami Dolphins because of the Tua injury, and Tua is was reported before we recorded this morning on Wednesday that he will not be starting on Sunday. So we had a little bit of line movement from that uh, Miami game. Yeah, so when we talked about this game Monday, that was one of the early, like, big light look-ahead differences because of Tua's injury, the Raiders winning, and it was Raiders minus four. It got down to three and a half. I was three and a half all day yesterday. Now we got word that Tua is officially out. Jacoby Brissett will start. On the other side, though, Derek Carr is on the injury report for the Raiders. They'll have their first practice today on Wednesday, so we'll keep an eye on what Derek Carr does if he's able to practice and kind of his status for Sunday. But for now, if the Raiders a four-point favorite, I was thinking of making the Dolphins my best bet for the show, but I'm going to wait until later in the week. I want to see if that line ticks up to four and a half now that we know Tua is out. Maybe some people run to the window to bet the Raiders today. Or maybe if we get positive car news, the Raiders will go up a little bit in number. So still waiting on the best number for that. But the Dolphins in a short, very short list of best bet consideration this week. Yeah, I, it's it's one of those things where you look at it and you're like, well, I don't know. I, I it's I, For me, it's one of those games where I just I don't know if I can trust betting it. And this is going to be a theme for me, Nate, throughout the weekend of just I do not like the board. At all. It's just too many games with uncertainty for me. Not a lot of fun matchups. And the lines aren't great, in my opinion. So I'll, I'm really going to have to pick and choose this weekend which games I want to hit and maybe maybe live bet a little bit. Yep, and that'll happen. There'll be weeks where you like maybe 8 to 10 games, and even that might seem like a lot. And then there's going to be other games where it's like really hard to even pick two or three. So 
it'll vary by week. You don't have to have a set number of bets each week um, in terms of making your own straight bets. So definitely you can be cautious some weeks more than others. And I just want to quickly run down a few other line moves that we've seen since we were at last recorded on Monday. Panthers out to minus eight because we have confirmation that Davis Mills will be starting for the Houston Texans. That game is tomorrow, Thursday night football. Titans remain steady at five and a half, which was what the reopen was on Sunday evening against the Colts. Not sure for about Carson Wentz's injury. It doesn't sound like he's going to be playing. That means Jacob Eason would start. Titans currently favored by five and a half. The Bears, who looks like Andy Dalton will be out just based on the severity of a, of a bone bruise. I would imagine it's at least a week. Uh, Justin Field is going to start, and that line is down to Bears minus seven. The Bears have taken some money. Don't know if it's really Fields-related. I think it might be more about the Browns struggling with the Texans. Jarvis Landry is now out, a important receiver. I think Odell Beckham also might be out. I know he missed the first two games. He tore his ACL last year. Um, so definitely monitor the the uh, status of him. Just Maybe the Browns just don't have the offensive firepower to be laying this big of a number. And Justin Fields, if he does start, kind of brings a lot of uncertainty and maybe a little bit higher variance of a game plan for the Bears as underdogs. And then I think the biggest line move since we last talked Monday, and it was actually something we talked about um, in the look-ahead comparison with the current num- current lines, and it was Steelers. They were 4.5 on Monday. It was down from 6.5 before week two. Now they're laying only three points at home against the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, there's some news out there and quotes from Mike Tomlin that don't sound great about Ben Roethlisberger's status. It sounds like knowing the history of of the Steelers and Roethlisberger that he'll play, but he won't be 100% and will be in pain. We've seen him play through pain before, but I think that's why we've seen this line get down to a field goal for the Steelers at home, who just a week ago were a six and a half point favorite against the Las Vegas Raiders. So uh, just something to monitor with Ben Roethlisberger and if he's able to go on Sunday as they're only a three-point favorite right now against the Bengals. All right, let's do situations of the week. What's the situation? Look at some of these different situations with the hangover games, the sandwich games, the look-ahead games, and we have a couple hangover games. Lousy hangover. With uh, three teams, and we'll start with Florida, who uh, is coming off a two-point loss to Alabama, game which they had uh, a couple of chances to tie the game or, or make it close, take the lead in some spots. They play Tennessee this week at home, 6 p.m. game. But, Nate, because it's a hangover game, this is one of those where you're looking at the Alabama game, and, and they absolutely went all out for that. I mean, that is a game you're playing in the swamp at home against Bama, number one team in the country. You're, you're throwing all the stops out for that one. So you go to the next week after a loss. You're playing a Tennessee team. You're laying, you know, 20 points at most of these books. It's gotten down a little bit, some 19 and a half, but I still see some 20. This could be a really good spot to hit Tennessee, and I'm, I will not be touching Tennessee. I have banned myself from betting Tennessee since I did it a couple years ago, and they have just been disastrous for me. So I will not be touching Tennessee, but I think this could be a good spot if you still somewhat trust Tennessee or trust the process of a hangover game. Maybe, maybe Tennessee plus 20 with the points is the way to go. 
Yeah, I hear you, Ben. Tennessee, a tough team to trust. We were against, or at least I was against Tennessee in week two. I bet Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh won in Knoxville. And then Pittsburgh next week goes out and loses to Western Michigan. And that made me wonder how good is Tennessee or how bad is Tennessee. However, as you mentioned, the situation means a lot here. Florida coming off that close loss to Alabama where they battled down. They were down 21-3 to early, lose by two points because they fail on a two-point conversion and never get the ball back. So catching 20 with Tennessee, even though I'm not a fan of them and I know they're going through a rebuild and their defense isn't good, I'm very tempted to take 20 with the Volunteers in this game. I think this line is too high because Florida got a lot of credit for playing close against Alabama. I think there's just a natural letdown after a game like that. It's also a big game for new Tennessee head coach Josh Heupel, who previously was a coach at UCF. I'm sure he's made a lot of recruiting uh connections in the state of florida they're playing in gainesville if they can show out well they'll help out with his recruiting long term and short term in that state especially because florida state and miami are both struggling within that state as the big programs in florida so i like tennessee plus 20 won't be a best bet but definitely something i'll have before uh, the weekend as i don't know how if this line will go much much farther down than 20 i think i think maybe like 18 and a half would be like the place to stop. Uh, but I like Tennessee yeah. with the hangover situation for Florida. We got Memphis coming off a win against the an SEC opponent, Mississippi State. They play UTSA this weekend, a 2:30 game. That line is three with Memphis the favorite. Over-unders uh, really high, Nate, 67, 68 at some places. Yeah. That is a very high total. Um, but again, a hangover game with Memphis going all out against the Mississippi State. They win that game by two, and now they have to, to come back this week, still at home, which could help and play a, a tough team in UTSA where they're only laying three. Yeah, I was digging deep for this one. It might be a little bit of a stretch, but Memphis did beat Mississippi State. And I think that's yeah. just a kind of a, on the surface national landscape doesn't seem like a big deal. But Memphis is very close to the state of Mississippi. So this was a big game in terms of geography. I know a few years ago, Memphis beat Ole Miss, and that was big for the program. So being able to beat an SEC team at home, just having an SEC team come into your stadium is a big deal. Being able to beat them is another thing. So good for Memphis getting that win. But now they're catching a UTSA team who's 3-0. and They beat Illinois in week one. So this is a team that is – is good. I think UC, UTSA is a formidable side. I know the line has moved down a little bit, but I'll be on the Roadrunners plus the three against Memphis. Just another letdown situation for a team that won last week in the Memphis UTS, And they're also 3-0 against the spread. Um, and they were an underdog against Illinois. They covered that, as you said, with the win. They were minus 38 in a game and they covered that yeah. minus 11 and a half they covered that so this is their second game where they're going to be underdogs they already won the one game they have been underdogs this season against illinois so maybe they can do it again on the road against memphis no i'll definitely be on utsa make sure to get that plus three because i can see that going down as we uh as i think people start to realize how big of a win that was for memphis and how the letdown is is a very strong possibility this saturday so a hangover game in the nfl Interesting, Nate, with the Ravens. Uh, They're obviously coming off that Sunday night win against the Chiefs, an emotional win, a big win. John Harbaugh calling for Lamar to go for two or to go for it if he wanted to, and they went for it. They got it. They get the win. They play the Lions. They go on the road to Detroit. Um, it's a noon game on Sunday. 
the emotions and the hype is is obviously not going to be there for what they had on Sunday night. Uh, is this a game where you're even giving any consideration to the Lions? Because for me, I see this game and I see the Ravens still rolling. Um, and I don't know if you watched that post-game video of John Harbaugh in the locker room saying, we have to keep this energy, we have to keep this motivation going in the, in the next Sunday against the Lions. We have to play our best game again against the Lions. Um, this could be a stay-away game for me, but if you, if you trust the hangover game theory, you maybe want to hit the Lions spread. Yeah, I think the Lions plus nine is at least interesting. As you mentioned, the Lions not a good team, and the Ravens well-coached, so will be focused. But this is the biggest regular season win for the Ravens since Lamar Jackson has been the quarterback. Because in the previous three meetings, when it was Mahomes versus Lamar, they lost all three. So it was a, it was a big hurdle for them to beat the Chiefs. They were getting no respect in the betting market and from the public as the Chiefs closed as a three-and-a-half-point favorite in Baltimore. But just because they beat the Chiefs, that doesn't erase the fact that Baltimore is still dealing with a ton of injuries. And the Lions for the first half against the Packers, they looked feisty, and they were winning at halftime, 17-14, to and then they didn't score, which makes sense. The Packers made some offensive adjustments. The Lions' defense isn't good at all. And then the rain and wind started picking up. And when you have Jared Goff in bad inclement weather, it's never going to end well. So I think the Lions at home with fans catching nine is at least something to consider, especially with the Ravens coming off that huge win against the Chiefs. And then next week, I don't think the Ravens are going to be looking really too much ahead to the Broncos, but they're going to Denver. The Broncos are 2-0. and They play the Jets, so there's a very good chance it's going to be the Ravens against a 3-0 and team, which could be a, a big early season battle in the AFC that I'm sure we'll talk about next week. But I think it's a really tough spot for the Ravens, and I wouldn't be in any rush to lay the nine. And when it comes to, like, survivor contests, and if this gets down to eight and a half, I think I might just avoid the Ravens in terms of, like, teasers and using them in survivor just because I think this is a dangerous spot for the yeah. Ravens, even though I don't have much respect for the Lions. It looks like it's already been on the move. Um, there's some places that have Detroit plus seven and a half already. Um, so I, I think people are agreeing with you with that. The Ravens team coming off that win against Kansas City. And, you know, you can win by a touchdown um, and you could still cover with that seven and a half with that eight. If, if, if we see by Sunday that people are hitting the Ravens a little bit more because they can be a popular betting pick over the weekend, I might hit that Detroit line because I do like it being at home. I think they have. They have shown to be a better team than I think people generally think that they are, and and Goff certainly has had his issues. But being on the turf in Detroit, I think, is is a big help to him, and he has played better on that turf. So I I, I do think Detroit can cover if it gets back up to nine. Um, I don't know if it will, but if it gets up to that number, I really like it. I think it's more of a stay away from the Ravens this week. Yeah. This tough spot, and because of that, Absolutely. beware of using them in teasers. Because if it is seven and a half, eight, eight and a half, those are in a perfect teaser zone, teasing them down through seven and under a field goal. I maybe will throw one in with a teaser side I like just for for the action, but I don't think they're going to be like my main teaser leg that I'm going to make sure is involved with everything I like. Because looking at the NFL board, there is a lot of teaser options this week. Yeah, I'm excited. It's teaser Sunday. We, it's it's teaser Sunday for our pick picks Friday. I'm excited. I think we're going to I'm, – I'm going to do a lot of, of NFL teasers for this weekend. Uh, let's look at the sandwich team, and it's the Indiana Hoosiers. Sandwich. After losing to Cincinnati in a heartbreaking way, um, they are coming off that loss where it looked like they had a chance to actually win it. 
Again, Michael McFadden to get kicked out for targeting, and then they just collapsed. And they play Western Kentucky this weekend, a night game at Western Kentucky. And that this has been one of the more popular picks that I have seen, Nate, from people betting down Western Kentucky, which I think they started uh, as like 10-point underdogs um, around there, and it's been bet down minus nine, or plus nine. I saw, uh, what, what's it at right now? Is around plus eight and a nine. half? Indiana's favor, nine. By, favor by nine at most spots. So, this 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 is the classic sandwich game for Indiana because they play Penn State next week. They go to Penn State. They play Penn State. It's going to be that rematch of the game that they won in overtime at the buzzer last year. Um, so that is going to be a game I'm sure they have circled on their calendar. This could easily be a disappointing game for IU. And, and I could see them winning and just not covering. I could easily see like a three-point win for IU or a six-point win for IU. That double-digit 10 – is a lot, and I understand why people were betting that down. Yeah, so I wanted to just to put a sandwich game in because I couldn't really find anything, and this was the one that checked most of the boxes. The only thing I would I'd be a little cautious about is Indiana did play. I thought they played well last week. They probably should have beat Cincinnati, but yeah, turnovers in the red zone, not being able to get a fourth down conversion early on, like they could have put that game away and made Cincinnati play from behind the entire game. Yep. So because of that, I think maybe Indiana is a little better than that score indicated. They're better than their one and two record. So I could see maybe a bounce back, but you compound that with that trip to Penn State next week. And you mentioned it's a rematch from one of the wilder games of the 2020 college football season where uh, Indiana won. I would I would definitely just just stay away from this one. But if it's the sandwich, I think it's either Western Kentucky or pass, especially if Indiana's laying over a touchdown because I really am concerned with the play of Michael Penix. He's he's regressed qu- quite a bit. I think yep. it's injury-related for sure, because if he can't move, if he can't use his legs, then defenses would love if he just sits in the pocket and throws. So I think it's just kind of a stay away. But Indiana definitely fits into that sandwich situation. Uh, look-ahead games. Let's go through this quickly. Maryland, a look-ahead game against Iowa next week as they play Kent State this week. Um, that is a 2:30 game, but when they have a big game against a top five team in Iowa, you know, especially when they're playing a team like Kent State, their minds aren't going to be fully on this game. It's not just a game against Fri- uh, Iowa at home; it's a Friday night game, standalone. Yeah. The whole country will be paying attention to what's going on in College Park as Mike Loxley and uh, Tua's brother will be in action facing Iowa. Um, it's 14 and a half right now for Maryland. Last week I was on Iowa or sorry, Kent State plus 23. I know most people probably got 22 and a half. So they lost because Iowa beat Kent State by 23. But Kent State was down 16 to seven in the third quarter. They were had first and goal from the one. And I'm not sure if it was on first down, but a Kent State player reached out to try to get a touchdown and the ball was knocked out of his hands, and after that, they just couldn't do anything on offense. It was kind of a deflating drive. So I actually think Kent State played decent against Iowa. It's a little bit of a shorter number at 14-and-a-half. I'm not sure if I'm going to go back to Kent State because kind of frustrated at what they did to me last week, but I think Maryland is in a, in a tough spot this week, and I would definitely avoid the Terps at all costs. Patriots slash Buccaneers, a very uh, interesting look-ahead game because they both play each other October 3rd, and that is the marquee yeah. matchup. That is the game everyone circled when they saw the uh, NFL schedule come out was that Brady returning to New England against Bill Belichick, and that's going to be a huge Sunday night game next week 
this week, both those teams, you'd imagine their minds are going to be on that game. Just a, just a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, this might be a little bit of a stretch, on, honestly, especially because <laughs> the Rams play the yeah. sorry, the Buccaneers play at the Rams this week. So this is a big NFC game. So, like, it, they shouldn't overlook it. I don't think they will. Tom Brady will make sure that his team is fully focused on getting a big win in L.A., especially since the Rams did beat the Bucs last year when the Bucs were kind of stumbling a bit midseason before their important bye week where they ended up winning out and winning the Super Bowl. So I, I don't know. Maybe that's not a good enough reason to stay away from the Buccaneers. When it comes to the Patriots, they're fair now by two and a half. It's gone down from minus three against the Saints. I'm just not a big fan of the Saints. And as I mentioned, Tom Brady will have them ready. I don't think Bill Belichick is going to make is going to let the team feel distracted by that upcoming game especially because they did lose their first home game of the season in week one in a game they probably should have won. So I'd expect full focus from both teams. Just wanted to bring it up that if you were needed a reason to not bet the Patriots or not bet the Bucks this week, which I'm sure will be at least the Bucks will be a popular bet, um, basically just needing to win the game against the Rams. Maybe that's just something like just a reason to nitpick and, and say like a, a reason why you shouldn't be betting on those teams. Yeah, I don't know how much a look-ahead game matters in the NFL simply because they're professionals and every game is so important. Um, and every game you're playing a quality opponent. Even, you know, the next team we're talking about is the Cardinals and they play the Jaguars. And the Jaguars are bad, but you're not going to get that difference in talent like you would in the in college football where you're having like a Maryland against the Kent State. But with the Cardinals against the Jaguars – I'm not saying the Jaguars are going to win that game, but the Cardinals do have the Rams the next week, as you mentioned, for a look-ahead game. Um, so, you know, maybe maybe they don't have to show their full playbook because they know that the Rams and, and Sean McVay are going to be watching this game. Yeah, so Cardinals, seven-point favorite in Jacksonville. The Jaguars have looked horrible, as we've seen the first two weeks. But as I mentioned, or you mentioned, Ben, Cardinals, big game next week for the NFC West. Um, I mean, it's early, so like, and every team in the NFC West looks like a contender, but just a big yeah. division game, especially for the Cardinals, who have been basically owned by Sean McVay since he's gotten into Los Angeles. Now you have to travel across the country, three time zones, early start, just came in off that big over, or not overtime win, that last second win against the Vikings in a game they probably shouldn't have won. I don't know. But I always get worried about Cliff Kingsbury as the favorite. I wouldn't talk anyone out of teasing the Cardinals down to one, maybe using them in Survivor this week. Probably a good time to burn them because I don't think they're going to have an easier game this season. But for me, I, I would I would just stay away in terms of straight betting. Cardinals minus seven, I know, is probably going to be a popular side. I don't think anyone's going to be on the Jaguars, but I, for me, I'm going to be staying away. Let's do the Sharp Lessons shortlist. Three college football games, three NFL games. This week, we only have two college football games, but we do have three NFL games just because it was hard to, It's so it was, slim this week. It was hard to come up with a second one. I was just like, I just put the Wisconsin-Notre Dame one, and then I just let you yeah. fill in the rest. So thank you for doing that, Ben. Yeah, I you know, I figured we, we got Nebraska-Michigan State on there. So that that's one of the few games where you you see the spread, you know, less than like seven or eight, and it's two marquee teams for the most part. But we can start with Wisconsin-Notre Dame. It's the big game of the weekend, and it's sadly going to be the uh, 11 a.m. game for us, and that, so we're not going to be able to see a fun nighttime game at Soldier Field. 
But it's a fun game nonetheless. Wisconsin Notre Dame. Wisconsin favored by six and a half. That total at forty six and a half. And we talked about this on Monday night where you know it's a neutral site game and it's about as neutral as you can get because you're you have a lot of Wisconsin fans in Chicago. It's only about two and a half hours from Madison. Notre Dame obviously has a ton of fans in Chicago, and it's you know what is it still two and a half three hours from South Bend. So. It's it's the perfect neutral site game. It's about as perfect as you can get. Both these teams are going to have their fans show up. Um, but it's really, at this point, just going to come down to talent, how well teams are playing. I trust Wisconsin in this one. I got them at minus five. Um, now that it's at minus six and a half, I don't know if I would take that number. It seems a little high for me. Um, so I think the total is something I'm going to look at. And as, and as with any Wisconsin game, I like the under for a total like this. Um, but I do I, I did take Wisconsin minus five. Yeah, it's interesting that we that line has gone up to six and a half, especially in a game with a low total. I thought maybe people would be betting Notre Dame as after the line settled down a bit because of the uncertainty about Graham Mertz, I guess we can say that, and just maybe not trusting some of Wisconsin's offensive weapons that are able to maybe stretch the field and get some big plays against Notre Dame, especially since Notre Dame let up a lot of big plays against teams like Florida State and Toledo. Um, Wisconsin coming off the bye week, so that's a big edge, and, and Notre Dame had to play Purdue last week. Jack Cohn is the Notre Dame starting quarterback, and he's a Wisconsin transfer. I don't really know who that helps in this game. I think maybe <laughs> it would help the under a little bit because there's this familiarity from the Wisconsin defense. Yeah. It's the same defensive coordinator, Jim Leonard, former NFL player, if you think that name sounds familiar. And I have a lot of respect for him. He seems like a very good defensive coordinator that will have a bigger job in the not-so-distant uh, future. So I think that the under maybe is worth a look at 46.5 on natural grass of Soldier Field, maybe some wind involved. We'll definitely check uh, some of the weather on our next show. But uh, <laughs> I, I, th- I, I don't know. I just I couldn't lay 6.5 with Wisconsin. Um just, no, that's I, a, that's too much. Yeah, that's too much I know, for Wisconsin. I, and I know we talked about like how Notre Dame on Monday, Notre Dame's opponents that they beat are having bad like bad seasons since they play Notre Dame, specifically Florida State, who's 0 three. But um, you know, I, I think it's just a stay away from me. And maybe if a live bet opportunity comes about, take something. And if if Wisconsin gets out to an early lead, maybe take plus double digits with Notre Dame. If Notre Dame gets out to an early lead and you still think Wisconsin's going to win, maybe bet them on a short money line just to win the game. A game like this, too, I would I would love to live bet the under if there's a couple quick scores. Um, you know, if yes. either the defense of these teams are, are hyped up and, and they give up a quick score with the offense and we see, you know, two quick touchdowns by midway through the first quarter and that total goes up to 48 or 49 and hit the under because it – it seems like it will be a fairly close game. You know, I'm hoping Wisconsin wins by five, but if it's within a touchdown, the game's going to slow down by the second half. And so if you get that live under, I think that works. Um, Nebraska, Michigan State. Nebraska goes to East Lansing, Michigan State laying the five, total 52. Um, I, I've really been impressed with Michigan State this year, Nate. Um, and I think they have been one of those underdog, undervalued teams that people haven't quite awoken to yet. Um, I, I like this minus five almost enough to give it a best bet. I'll have to look a little bit more into the game. I might give that out as a best bet on our Friday pick show. 
Um, but I've just been really impressed with what Mel Tucker has done for the Spartans this season. They had a terrible year last year, and that was because they just didn't have the talent and they had to deal with COVID and a new coach. Mel Tucker comes in, gets everything right, writes the ship. They had a great, king, a great game against Miami and Derek King, and Nebraska's looked meh. They've looked okay. They, they, they played well against Oklahoma, gave them a bit of a scare. But I, I like Michigan State laying the five at home. Yeah, I'm not so sure, Ben. I think this might be the selling point for Michigan State because there are two wins that they had this season in impressive fashion against Northwestern and Evanston and then going down to Miami and really outplaying the Hurricanes, which was especially impressive because of the, the heat that they had to endure as a Midwest team going and playing in that Florida humidity. But now that you're laying five, the total isn't that big. And Nebraska – I think they just get a bad reputation, especially they lose in week zero to Illinois. People are just like want Scott Frost out the door, but they mm-hmm. played close against Oklahoma. And I think that's a lot of points to lay for Michigan State. It's a much different thing when you are an underdog that has lower expectations and then you become a favorite all of a sudden. It's going to be a good crowd at East Lansing. I know those fans, it's a passionate fan base, and they're excited to see the football team back on track after there was some pretty disastrous years the last few years, few seasons. I just I just couldn't bet on Michigan State now that they're a favorite of over a field goal against a Nebraska team that I think gets a lot of, uh, a lot of flack, but I don't think the, they're as bad as their reputation reflects. Chargers at the Chiefs as we move on to the NFL portion of the Sharp Lessons shortlist. Chiefs minus six and a half. Fifty five and a half is the total. I do want to put this little tidbit in there, Nate. The Chiefs are 0 and 2 against the spread. And we talked about it to start the year, how bad the Chiefs were against the spread last season. That's looking quite the same this year. And I guess sports books are still putting that premium on, on the Chiefs lines. Um, and this is, I know it's the Chiefs at home. And it's not quite at that seven-point line, but the Chargers could be the could could be a good move here. With that, that's a high total too. That's a high total, fifty-five and a half. Yeah, I think I can make the case for for both sides. I think the case for the Chiefs is they lost last week. It was very disappointing the way they lost. They were up by eleven in the second half to lose a game like that. Probably stings, and I just expect a bounce back from them after losing like that especially since I look back and in the last 23 games, including last week that Patrick Mahomes has started in the regular season, they've won 21 of the games. So it's hard to beat the Chiefs even just once, and they've lost in the last 23 games only twice, and Mahomes starts in the regular season. So I still think the Chiefs probably win the game. Mm -hmm. My worry about the Chiefs, though, is their defense. Justin Herbert's a great quarterback. We'll have to see if this Chiefs defense can figure it out because I think that's more maybe more of a long-term thing. But the Chargers offense also looks pretty – I don't know. They're moving the ball, which is great, but then in the red zone they struggle and they have a new offensive coordinator in Joe Lombardi who comes from a little bit more of the conservative mindset. And I'm a little bit worried that that wasn't the best choice for the Chargers, that offensive coordinator for a quarterback who has a, a great arm like Justin Herbert. So – I think that's total might be a little high at 55 and a half, just the way the Chargers have fared this season. I know the Chiefs haven't been able to stop anyone, and they're both their the uh, totals have kind of soared over in the first two games against the Browns and Ravens. But those are two good rushing offenses, which is the weakness of the Chiefs' defense is their ru- being able to stop the run. So I don't know a lot of things to unpack in this game. I think it'll be a fun one to watch. 
I'll likely just totally stay away, but we'll be interesting to see how the Chiefs bounce back and if they can maybe fix some things on the defensive side of the football. A uh, matchup I'm looking forward to, the Buccaneers and the Rams. Um, we're seeing Tom Brady go on the road to L.A., Buccaneers laying one and a half with a total at 55 and a half. Same number as that Chiefs Chargers game. And the Buccaneers, Nate, have they've looked really good. And Tom Brady does not look like he's 44 years old. The guy threw for five touchdown passes. I mean, he, he has looked fantastic. He's looked better than most quarterbacks in the league who are all younger than him. Um, and you combine their ages, they still might be younger than him <laughs> is how old Tom Brady is. So this is a very interesting game, and I texted you last night about this, and I was looking at it. The line was Bucks minus one, and I'm like, ah, you need to convince me to not take Bucks minus one because that seems so easy against a Rams team that has looked good, and Stafford's look like he's fit into that offense. But there have been times where they don't look great, and they had some downtimes against the Colts, and the Bucks have just looked unbeatable. Yeah, I would be a little bit worried about the defenses for both teams. I think you're right. Tom Brady has been fantastic. Matthew Stafford has shown pieces of brilliance that shows how much of an upgrade he is over Jared Goff. But the Buccaneers also were in that game against the Falcons. They were only up 28 to 25 kind of later in that second half, and then they got two pick sixes. So I think it's a little bit of an exaggerated scoreboard based on some defensive turnovers and Matt Ryan making mistakes. They only beat the Cowboys by two on opening night. But at the same time, the Rams last week, who we mentioned were in a tough spot. I believe that was our sandwich game of the week, the Rams at the Colts. But they let Carson Wentz and the Colts drive and get in the red zone a lot. A lot of those drives, unfortunately, for the Colts stalled. Uh, there was a, They got stopped in the first drive at first and goal from the one. Um, later that half, Carson Wentz decided to throw a shovel pass in the red zone. They got intercepted. They settled for a couple field goals. So I'd be a little bit worried about this Rams defense. It also let Andy Dalton and the Bears kind of march on them um, for parts of that game on that opening night, Sunday night football. So I, I can see why the Buccaneers have gotten out to a one-and-a-half point favorite, even though the Rams were a favorite on the look-ahead line. I think I'm just going to have to stay away from this game because I think this number is probably right. Um, maybe bet using the Rams in a teaser leg up to seven and a half, but at the same time in a game of a high total, like I wouldn't be surprised if like one team won by like 10 or more points either way. Um, so I'm probably going to stay away in terms of this game entirely, but I wouldn't talk you out of the, uh, the Buccaneers, Ben, if you want to maybe wait a little bit longer this week and make that a, a best bet or just a game that you're going to bet. Yeah, I'm going to see if the Rams get a little bit of late money, maybe hit the Buccaneers' money line if it gets down to minus 120, minus 125 area, something like that. Um, the final NFL game, we wanted to look at Packers 49ers. Nate, with the 49ers minus 3.5, that total is at 50.5. Um, the, the popular pick that I have been seeing people make is Packers plus 3.5. I think people were really impressed with the Aaron Rodgers output on Monday Night Football against the Lions and I know the 49ers have been impressive, and they've looked good, and they have that home game. Um, but that three and a half is a pretty important number, and uh, people have been taking that for the Packers. Yeah, so this game reopened 49ers minus four on Sunday evening, Monday morning, before the Packers' Monday night football game. The Packers, even though they were trailing at halftime, still covered a double-digit spread. Um, the other movement in this game is the total, up to from 48 to 50 and a half. That makes a lot of sense to me. 
Kyle Shanahan has had a lot of success against the Packers. I know in 2019, the Packers took two trips to the Bay Area, and they got absolute boat race, once in the regular season and then once in the NFC title game where the 49ers gashed the Packers on the ground. I think this version of the Packers' defense is – doesn't look good. It might be even worse than the unit from like two years ago. And last year, they have a new defensive coordinator in Joe Barry, which I know is a highly criticized hire because of his past work with the Washington football team. And that he was a, only a linebackers coach the last few years for the Rams. So I think the 49ers, even though they literally don't have any healthy running backs, Raheem Mostert out for the year, Trey Sermon has a concussion, Elijah Mitchell sprained ankle, so Michael Hasty is also has a sprained ankle, I think. So like the top four running backs are out for the 49ers, but we know in the Kyle Shanahan system he can just put an plug in any running back, and with the zone blocking they can have some success. I think the the problem where I just couldn't get behind the 49ers is they have a lot of defense uh, defensive injuries, which makes sense why the total has moved up from 250 and a half. I have a hard time seeing the 49ers defense that's really banged up containing a, probably a more focused Aaron Rodgers in a game that he knows they got embarrassed in 2019 twice there. And he's also from that area. They got embarrassed in week one against the saints. The last time they were on the road, I think there'll be a pretty focused effort from the Packers offense and that the 49ers depleted defense will have trouble stopping it. So I can see, why the over was hit early in this game and at 50 and a half probably would still play the over in this game. But in terms of side, I'm going to stay away. The Packers do make sense, but I am a little bit worried that the 49ers and Kyle Shanahan can solve the Packers defense that has really struggled this year. I mean, look, they they gave up five touchdowns to Jameis Winston in week one, and then Winston was horrible in week two. (laughs) And then before the weather really came in, Jared Goff was very accurate and had two touchdown throw passes. Uh, in the first half on Monday night. So I'd be a little bit worried back in the Packers just because this defense might be really bad. All right, before we end the pod, Nate, let's talk some stuff out. This is our new segment. Talking some things out that, we, uh, that we're not quite sure of. We want to maybe bet it for our picks on Friday, but we're not quite sure. So let's talk it out a little bit. There's only one thing I want you fellas to do. What's that? Talk me out of it. We have a couple teams. Um, let's look at that Texas A&M team. Um, what, what, what did you want to talk out on Texas A&M? The floor is yours. I want to make a big bet on Texas A&M this week. <laughs> like, it'll be best bet territory for sure. Yeah. They're playing Arkansas, favored by five and a half. Yep. I just think Arkansas is getting way too much credit for their beginning of the season. They had three home games. They uh, had that crazy – we talk about this game way too much. We probably should stop talking about that, but that week one win against Rice yep. uh, where they were losing by 10 in the second half. Then they come back, they beat Texas, good win, great for the program. They bounced back nicely against Georgia Southern, a game where I was on Georgia Southern thinking that was a, a bad scheduling spot for the Razorbacks. But A&M just, I think, is a different class. I know that they don't have their starting quarterback. want to look into this game a little more, see if the line moves, but I like Texas A&M minus 5.5 in this game and probably is going to end up being a best bet as long as it's uh, – five and a half or better if it's minus six then i might be a little bit wary but i like the aggies in a neutral site game at jerry world yeah the, the no quarterback is tough and that that makes it tough and i think that helps the line be this low at minus five and a half but i do agree with you the texas a&m is just they're another level than what arkansas is right now and 
that spread, I don't think, indicates how big of a difference in talent the A&M team is with Arkansas. So I'm with you there. I don't think we have found a bet where we have a bet tail yet. So this might be the one that we do. If you do it for the best bet, I'll, uh, I'll have to look into a little bit more. Uh, the Rutgers team against uh, Michigan. Yeah, That is a so very interesting game, Nate. It is. And I'm actually just talking myself off this one because right now <laughs> Rutgers is favored by – sorry, Michigan is favored by 20. Uh, there was a story that came out yesterday that Rutgers suspended two defensive backs for yeah. – uh, it looks like they were striking people with paintball guns while they were in a moving vehicle. And Greg Schiano laid down the hammer and suspended them for this game. So who knows what's going on there. Not sure how important those players are, but if there's more issues at Rutgers, then maybe it's stay away. Especially because if a Jim Harbaugh team gets out to a lead, they are known for like pouring it on and and yeah. not and running up the score, and making sure they have style points. Maybe what keeps them from doing that this week is they play at Wisconsin next week. So I didn't put that in look ahead, but I guess that could be considered a look ahead. But Rutgers, they're three and zero. Greg Schiano seems like the program's in the right direction. I think catching 20 against a Michigan team that has beat two MAC teams and, and a Washington team who literally can't score against a good opponent um, might be getting a little too much credit. And then one other quick one, or we'll have another one, but just one I quickly bring up, and I probably could just talk myself out of it because it's Florida State, but they're a home underdog against um, – Louisville and Louisville is coming off that dramatic win against UCF on a Friday night. I just don't think Louisville is a good team right now. And, and Florida state, if like, if they beat Jacksonville state, like they should have, I think this line is more like a pick em or something. And that was a very fluky way to lose to Jacksonville state. So I don't know. Florida state is a home dog kind of interests me. Nothing like it will be a best bet or anything, but maybe just like a small numbers play because I don't think that they should be underdogs against a team like Louisville. Yeah, this weekend is very shaping up to be like a caution. Caution weekend. Just be safe. Don't be reckless because there is a lot of trap games, it seems like, for this weekend. And the one bet I wanted to talk out, Nate, because, again, this seems like a trap game. This seems like it's too easy. UCLA-Stanford. Bruins go to Stanford after a tough loss to Fresno State, which we love that because we had the Fresno State plus 11.5. But they go, they lay 4.5 against Stanford 58 and a half is the total I'm not even looking at the total at this point UCLA minus four and a half I really want to hit that I I think UCLA should win this game by more than five against Stanford I know Stanford has played decent this season they're at home which helps but I think this is a bounce back game for UCLA I, I think they're a good enough team to have a bounce back game like this where they can win by five or more yeah, I'm with you, Ben, so I won't talk you out of it. I think that we could probably go in together and comfortably back the Bruins at what I think is a discounted number, especially because last week I expected them to play flat against Fresno State, and they ended up losing. So I think we're getting a little bit of a discount on the Bruins. My one concern is, though, Stanford's season turned around when they put in Tanner McKee at quarterback instead of Jack West. Tanner McKee comes in at the second half against Kansas State in week one after they were losing by a lot. Looks pretty good. Then the next week they come out and beat USC and get Clay Helton fired. They were 17-point underdog, I believe, maybe even a little more than that, and they win straight up. And then last week, in kind of a tough situation, having to play USC with UCLA on deck, they go out to Nashville and beat Vanderbilt and cover 
a 13 and a half point number against an SEC team. So I think this, what's holding me back is maybe we haven't quite quantified how good Stanford is with Tanner McKee and how much of an upgrade he was and what we saw in the first half against Kansas State when they looked like a complete disaster. So maybe there's something in terms of Stanford just being a, a just a totally different team than what we maybe think. And I still want to make a case for UCLA because I think that running game will be able to have a lot of success on Saturday evening or afternoon Pacific Coast time. So we'll see. I, I like UCLA, but there's some a little bit of concern of what's holding me back from making this like a larger a larger bet on the Bruins. Yeah, I, I don't. They're not best bet territory for me just yet, but they are a game uh, I've been eyeing and, and really want to uh, really want to hit that one. Um, but I think that's all the bets we wanted to talk about yeah. today, Nate. It's good. No best good bets quality. yet. No, no best bets yet. And we're maybe getting back on the UCLA train. Maybe we got off and it worked for us, and maybe getting yeah. back on. Uh, hey, we've we've had a good read on the Bruins and Chip Kelly's team, and I think this might yeah. be a time to to buy the dip on UCLA as they uh, <laughs> approach conference play in what looks to be a really wide open Pac-12 South. So UCLA still has big ambitions to uh, win that division and play in the Pac-12 title game. So I don't think that losing to Fresno State is going to hurt them too much in terms of maybe it ruins their confidence, but maybe that loss to Fresno State makes them more humble. Yeah, we'll see. We'll have our picks Friday uh episode out Friday morning, early Friday morning this time, since we're recording later on Thursday this week. So bright and early, wake up on Friday, feeling good about the weekend, maybe get some of the best bets out. Best bets have been doing well, so, you know, we hope we don't regress to the mean here, and that's, I think, why a big reason we're taking this week slowly but surely and and playing it with a lot of caution. So we'll see what happens. But good luck to everyone this week, and uh, we will see you back on Friday with Picks Friday. Picks Friday.